Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Because he is the greatest teacher ever, he would take them further and explain to them some of these parables. And he'll do that for you. You're reading through the Word. You come across something, you're like, Lord, I don't understand this. Well, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He was given to us. Jesus said that in the the Gospel of John. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you in all things. So if you come across a portion of Scripture where you're like, man, I just don't get this. Well, ask the Lord. Say, I'm not getting it. With all of the information that we have at our fingertips, have you ever considered asking God before you ask Google? As Pastor James teaches us today, you'll learn that just as the disciples asked Jesus for further explanation and understanding, we too can ask God for clarity. When reading scripture and you come to an area that you simply aren't comprehending, take a minute to just ask God to open your eyes to see what he has to say. Pastor James reminds us that the Lord is ready to reveal more depth to you. Now here's Pastor James as he continues his message, Spiritual Gifts. I think sometimes good teachers have this ability to just, they can communicate the word in, in such a way where you can walk away and you're like, oh, okay, I think I understood that. Oh, I got that. You know, that was, that was good. That was practical. You know, that was simple. The, the goal in, te- in teaching, I think, should always be simplicity. Number one, I'm never going to wow you with my, with my wealth of knowledge okay? Because there's not a lot there, okay? So I'm never going to impress you with how much I know and the big words I say, because I don't have them. I don't know them. And I'm not, I don't want them. I don't, I'm not going to care about them. What I care about is simplicity. What I care about is just the Word of God communicated in a simple way so that regardless of whoever walks through these doors, whatever, you know, they just got saved or been walking with the Lord for this many years, that everybody can walk away, hopefully encouraged if they need to be encouraged, convicted if they need to be convicted, whatever, you know, but they were taught the word and they have at least some sort of a a better understanding or comprehension of the word of God, right? The goal is always simplicity. That's what a gift of teaching, that should be. And that can be from the pulpit, that can be in a classroom with children, and this is applied outside of the church as well. Sometimes we limit teaching to just the church. We're all called to be teachers. The book of Hebrews tells us that. Every single believer is called to be a teacher, and we are. And we don't, we don't always teach a, a message, but what we do teach is from our lives and our choices, right? Because people are, we have students you know, we have little disciples following us around all the time, you know? Maybe that's in your house, maybe that's your own kids, maybe that's coworkers, but people are always studying what you're teaching them. And the greatest teaching that is demonstrated to people is it's not verbally, it, it's through actions. And people are always learning from us, okay? And if you claim to be a believer, well, then teach people effectively by how you live your life. But then also, you know, by what you say as well, okay? The example, that's from Matthew chapter 7, 28 and 29 there. I'll just read you this reference here. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, this is from like the Sermon on the Mount, 
that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes, okay? So even in the way that Jesus taught, he taught as somebody who he knew what he was talking about. Oh, hey, surprise, surprise. Um, He is the word. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word. It's Jesus. He knows this book in and out, okay? But they were surprised by the authority in which he taught. But he was also able to communicate to people in such a way that even if kids were present, we have this, at least somewhat of an, an idea that they could grasp what he was talking about. Now, it wasn't always that way with scribes. They were very concerned with really just trying to impress people by how much they knew and what they knew. Jesus was just, he was really concerned with transformation of the people who were listening to him. He's going to teach the Bible, you know, and make it in such a way where people could grasp it, they could understand it, okay? Now, even with his disciples, they didn't always understand what he was talking about. But as a good teacher, he would pull that, you know, when they had him alone, they'd be like, Jesus, what did you mean when you're talking about these parables? And he's like, what do you mean you don't get it? He's like, all right, because he is the greatest teacher ever. He would take them further and explain to them some of these parables. And he'll do that for you. You're reading through the word. You come across something. You're like, Lord, I don't understand this. Well, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He was given to us. Jesus said that in the the Gospel of John. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you in all things. So if you come across a portion of Scripture where you're like, man, I just don't get this. Well, ask the Lord. Say, I'm not getting it. And he may say like, okay, well, let's, let's spend some more time on it. Okay? There's nothing wrong with being honest with Jesus if you don't understand something. He already knows you don't get it, right? So the Greek word there, didasko, I guess that's how you say that. I don't speak Greek, but there you go. It's to teach. It's very simple. The strengths, ability to communicate or make plain great truths, okay? I added those strengths there to that. Uh, I also added the weaknesses because I understand what this is like. Weaknesses, pride. Yeah. If you got a platform, Pride's always going to be an element you have to watch out for. I don't care if it's a pulpit, if it's a stage, if it's a classroom with kids. Sometimes we get so into teaching and and attain, you know, gaining knowledge and understanding and all that good stuff that, you know, it, it can go to our heads. It can go to our heads, okay? The other thing is depression. Like, you wouldn't think about this, but yeah, depression. That's, that is sometimes a weakness of teachers. And I have proof of this, not just from myself, but, and it's not just depression, but it's also like just this feeling of like inadequacy, you know, and all this good stuff. Some of the greatest preachers to have ever existed have all, have all struggled with depression. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers is what they called him, struggled with depression. There's many other guys that you may not ever know it, but oftentimes some of the ones that were used the greatest, you know, in tremendous ways by the Lord, are great teachers wrestled with depression. Because the moment you walk off the stage, number one, in my brain, I'm always, I'm reviewing what I taught and what I missed. And I didn't say this, and I was supposed to say that, and I didn't do that. And oh my goodness, Lord, I'm so sorry. And all this stuff. And, and even just apologizing, Lord, I don't know what that was, but I'm sorry for whatever that was. And if you're able to, you know, get some sort of ounce of truth or that bless somebody, Praise God because it's you and it's not me. So you're doing that, but you're also getting kicked. So typically, teachers were, are really good at kicking themselves, okay? Sometimes needlessly so. Just, it's not necessary. But we're our own wor- worst critics. But the enemy is quick 
to jump on a teacher's back. And if you've ever taught a class, you probably understand that to where you walk away and maybe you feel good about it. And you're like, oh, I think that went all right. But the enemy is like, right there, boom. Oh yeah, it was so good, right? Did you know that you, you didn't even read that one verse? You're like, oh no, I didn't read that one verse. And it's like, oh no, now they're not going to get saved. It's all for nothing. You know, it's like, no, stop it, stop it, stop it. This is something that teachers can struggle with. They can wrestle with. It's just this, this element of like, just you expose yourself. Like you make yourself very vulnerable, all right? So that's teaching. Let's move on here. Faith, the gift of faith. Spiritual ability from the Lord to see what isn't, to believe, believe it to be and trust God to do it in his way and his time. That's Chuck Smith's definition of this gift of faith. Spiritual ability from the Lord to see what isn't, believe it to be and trust God to do it in his way and time. The example from that is Acts 27, and this is where the Apostle Paul, it says, and now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. So this is when Paul is on the ship, and and they're in a storm, and the ship is going to go down. And people are looking to bail off of the ship, and Paul's like, no, you have to stay together. If we all stay together, we all survive. Acts 27, 22 through 25. Paul says, for there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, man, for I believe God that it will be just as he told me. Okay, so that's Paul having faith like, look, I know this boat's crashing. It's going down, but we're going to be okay. And it was that gift of faith, that demonstration of faith on Paul's part, you know, in the midst of chaos, that, that really, it saved the lives of other people, okay? Pistis, I think is how you say that word. It says, implied such a knowledge of, to assent to, and confidence in certain divine truths, as produces good works, okay? So that's technically, that's the word faith there, all right, as used in this verse. It's just this knowledge of, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's a confidence in who God is and what he has said. That's, if, if I could boil it down, to make it simpler than that complicated definition, is that straight out of strong concordance? It's really it's just, this is what God has told me, and I believe it's true, and I'm going to be okay. That's faith, all right? Uh, we need that within the church, for sure. Strength, unmoved by circumstances, hopeful. They're often visionaries. They're courageous. They actively remind others of the promises of God, so if that's like a primary gift for you, the gift of faith, the ship is going down. Like, there's no denying it. The ship is going down. And Paul's like, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Now, the other sailors on that, that ship that are going down, they're like, are you insane? Because we're professional sailors. We know these waters. We know how many men die when ships go down. Paul's like, no, it's okay. God told me we're going to be fine. But see, they needed Paul with the demonstration of that gift in that moment. The church needs, in certain moments, probably now would be a good time during the midst of COVID and all that stuff, for somebody who has a gift of faith to be like, we're going to be okay. But the ship is going down. No, I think we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. They're unmoved by circumstances. They're hopeful. That's what you want. You don't want somebody who's like Debbie Downer to have like the gift of faith. She's like, well, I mean, God told me we're going to be okay. But really, have you read the statistics? Have you looked? And it's like, no, you get out of here. Like, no, just stop. 
put your eyes on Jesus, Debbie Downer. Um, they, they're hopeful. They're often visionaries. They're courageous. You've got to be courageous. You've got to be courageous to be the man on a ship that's going down to stand up and say, hey, stick with me. That takes courage. Some weaknesses. They can become impatient when others don't have their kind of positive faith outlook, <laughs> right? Like, they get it. Why don't you get it, right? How do you not get it? How do you not believe God, right? And so they can lead to this, this impatience or lack of compassion towards other people, where you may see, no, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But somebody else doesn't see it that way, because maybe they don't have the gift of faith like you do, and they can be, become impatient with other people, right? That tends to be one of those weaknesses because you're so like, you're gung-ho about what you believe and, you know, like, yes, we're going to be fine. But for other people who may not have that, and, you know, they're just, there's a delicate balance there of like knowing how to come alongside somebody and meet them where they're at. My mentors one point in time said, you know, he said, James, shepherds, he said, they lead sheep. There's a reason we're called shepherds. It's because we lead sheep. And we're not called cattle, cattlemen or cattle drivers, where they drive the cattle. We lead. We walk out in front. You know, we, you walk out in front, and you lead them. You can't get impatient with them. You just lead them. But you've got to keep marching. You've got to keep moving and constantly comforting them and letting them know, listen, it's going to be fine. We're going to be okay. Just keep, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Right? So we're not pushing people. If you have the gift of faith, it will do you no good to, to push somebody. Why don't you get this? Why don't you see this? Why aren't you okay with this? It's like, no, that's not what's needed in that moment. All right? Next one here, gifts of healing. Kind of goes along with gifts of faith. Spiritual ability to heal someone who is sick. God uses certain people in helping others to believe that God will heal them. Okay? Um, Acts chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. This is that classic story of... Um, the man sitting outside of the gate, I believe it's the gate, beautiful, um, where Peter and John are walking up, and he's like, he's begging for, for money, and uh, Peter says to him, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Snatch him by, grab him by the hand, pull him up to his feet. The guy's never walked, right? So that's, it takes a certain amount of boldness, right, and courage to, to, have, to display this gift of healing. That's the example that's used there. The Greek word, I don't know if this is how you say it or not, but llama, that's what I'm going to say. I know llama has two L's, but you, you get it. You can pronounce it yourself. L, or it could be an I. That actually technically can be an I. All, all the Greek-speaking people are, are just upset with me right now. Ima, or however you say that. But it's to cure, heal, or make whole. That's technically what that means. Strengths, great faith in God's ability and compassion on other people, okay? Peter and John. Uh, they had tremendous faith in God's ability to heal this individual. And they also had compassion on him to stop and actually address him as everybody else was walking past this guy for years. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit probably told them, hey, stop right here. This guy needs you. They, through the power of the Holy Spirit, healed this individual, okay? Faith in God's ability and compassion on other people, weaknesses, pride, boasting. Do you see what I did? Do you see that? Right? Like Peter wasn't on, you know, Facebook afterwards being like, uh, you know, just healed a guy, never walked before, no big deal, right? You know, like that's not what he's, it, but this could cause bragging and boasting and pride. You don't believe me, 
we'll just turn on certain religious channels and watch them for a moment, okay? And then you'll see like, wait, is the ministry all about that person or is the ministry all about God? Because it seems like it's all about that person if I'm just watching, if I'm a casual viewer of it. It shouldn't be about us. It should never be about us. Discouragement. Why discouragement? Well, because what if you approach somebody who's sick and you say, you know what? I believe God can make you well. And I'm going to pray for you right now. And you pray for them and they don't get well. And then you walk away like, I thought, God, I thought you were telling me to pray for them and that you were, you're supposed to heal them. Like, I've read all these stories. Like, I know this is real. I know this works. The gift of healing, it does carry with it a certain amount of courage. Courage. Because when it comes down to it, maybe the Holy Spirit was leading that person to pray for them for healing because he did want to heal them. But maybe he wasn't. Maybe they heard wrong. I don't know. But maybe they have just so much faith in God that, yes, can God heal anybody and everybody? Of course he can. But does he heal everybody? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. So you can understand the frustration with somebody who may have the gift of healing to where they approach somebody and like, I know it. God, God, yeah, and yes, God can. But does he, is that part of his plan for that individual? Well, I don't know. I don't know, but you never know unless you ask. That's the other side of it, right? Like, we could always just be like, you know, I'm not sure, so I'm just not going to pray. That's, that's bad thinking, okay? So if you feel like, you know what, I want to pray for so-and-so, well, then go for it. There's been many times, I've prayed for many people that the Lord would heal them, and he hasn't. And then there's sometimes, a few times, where I've been included within a group where I remember a lady and her husband came in to, to meet with me and, and Pastor Bill, and, and she needed healing for something. And I don't know what happened, but we were praying for her, and I think it was as Bill was praying for her that she just started laughing. And so I'm new, like just got hired as a pastor, like I have no experience at all. And I'm like getting a little weirded out because I'm like, what is going on? Like in the midst of this healing, is there like some demonic thing going on here? Like what's that? All this stuff's running through my brain. She's laughing because she's like, God healed me. God healed me. And so in my head, I'm just running through this. I'm just naturally like a skeptic. That's just, unfortunately, that's just part of who I am. But, uh, but I'm just running through this like, wait, what? No, how do we know? And all this stuff. She's just laughing in the middle of this prayer because she's like, yeah, hey, listen, God just answered your prayers. And we're like, Okay, cool, right? Sometimes, I mean, the Lord can do this, and he does it in different ways. And ultimately, I know this is kind of like the cop-out for sometimes. It's like, well, ultimately, we're all going to get healed, right? And I'm like, yeah, I get that. It doesn't really help the person on earth right now, like, who wants to be healed? But is God's plan for everybody to get healed ultimately? Yes. On this earth, sometimes and sometimes not. That's just part of his plan. I've learned to, the best way to approach that is just to just be cool with his plan. And if God puts it on your heart to pray for somebody, maybe he's given you the gift of healing and he wants you to take a step of faith and put yourself out there and say, you know what? I think, I, I think the Lord wants me to pray for you. And it's just pray for them. Just pray for them. Next one here, get to Miracles. Got to get moving. All right, gift of miracles, the spiritual ability to do works of supernatural origin and character. A miracle is something that is humanly impossible, but divinely simple, okay? 
a miracle, workers of miracles. We've seen this with the Apostle Paul. He's one that we got to see demonstrate this. Peter was used to, you know, to work miracles and all that stuff. The reference there is from John, and that's when Jesus turned water into wine, okay? Now, hopefully you, some of you aren't getting too excited about that. and like, yeah, that's my kind of miracle, right? Like, no, calm down, all right? That was one example of Jesus, and you're like, Jesus, he did, he did so many miracles. Walking on water, that's a miracle. But it wasn't just exclusive to Jesus, right? Because that could be our, our thing, too. It's like, well, but that's Jesus. Well, Paul was used to work miracles. Peter was used to work miracles. Individuals throughout history have been used to work miracles, okay? Dunamis, it's power. It's, it's the Greek term for that, especially in inherent power, being able or capable to do something. Again, that is humanly impossible, so you can't take any credit for it, but it is divinely simple. Now, some people do have the gifts of miracles. We've seen that displayed. If you want to hear more stories about miracles taking place, then familiarize yourself with missions, because that's where you're going to see a lot of that stuff. You know, read stories, read articles from missionaries, read newsletters from missionaries. Oftentimes, they are recounting many times where the Lord has supernaturally shown up, where it was humanly impossible. The scenario was humanly impossible, and God showed up, okay? Sometimes he uses individuals, and sometimes he just, he, he defies the laws of nature because he's not subject to laws of nature. So, that's this gifts of miracles, strengths. It's having, it's compassionate. You have uh, compassion and great faith in God's ability, okay? Compassion for other people or something that's going on, but also a great faith in, in God's ability to fix anything and to solve anything. Like, there's no doubt about it. God can fix that. We talked about that with George Mueller with the orphanage and the bread and the milk that showed up. And we don't have any food for the orphans. He's like, yeah. Well, God, I'll, I'll just go pray and that God will provide the bread. And the bread, the, the baker comes down and is like, I got all this bread. <laughs> you guys need this bread? Because I got all this bread. And he's like, okay, we don't have anything, no milk for the kids. Okay, I'm going to pray for the milk. And he prays for the milk and the milk truck breaks down in front of the orphanage. And the guy's like, look, it's all going to go bad. You guys need this milk? And they're like, that was, that was one man trusting in God's ability to do anything, to do anything. He had no control over it. Weaknesses. Selfish, selfishness, okay? Pride, false sense of security as well, okay? Just this element of like, sometimes with individuals who may have this gift, it's like, no, I'm good. I'm good, right? Because I can do this stuff or I have done this stuff. So that makes, between me and the Lord, I'm okay. I'm okay. So it's this arrogance that, that kind of can come along with it. Like, I wouldn't be good if God wasn't doing these great miracles through me, right? So you can see that. There's a puffed up pridefulness that can come along with that. Because again, with gifts of miracles, gifts of healing, gifts of faith, it can draw a lot of attention to the individual. And sometimes I can go to their heads thinking like, well, I wouldn't be able to do this if I wasn't like really good and strongly connected with God. Sometimes they have the worst relationships with God. Sometimes they do. So, and you got to remember, God can use anybody to work a miracle. He can use anybody to work. In fact, in the end times, let's get ready for this because it could be any day now. There will be a false prophet that comes onto the scene who works signs and wonders and miracles. So you got to be careful with that. You got to be careful with that. That is certainly is a weakness that goes along with that one. Hopeless, hopeless. 
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle teach through a series called Every Good Gift. We're so thankful that you took the time to listen to Bread for the Broken today. If there's any word of encouragement in how this ministry has impacted you, feel free to share it with us. You can get into touch with us through our contact page at breadforthebroken.com. Another way that you can show support for this ministry is by giving financially to further the message of God to people near and far. If you feel led to do this, go to breadforthebroken.com and find the link for donations. If you're enjoying Pastor James's teachings and would like to hear them in person, we invite you to join us for one of our services. Calvary Galveston meets on Sundays and Thursdays for worship and Bible study. You can find directions, service times, and more by visiting our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're a laid-back church, wanting people to realize that being part of a church can be simple and uncomplicated. Our goal is to magnify Jesus at all ages. Does that sound like something that might just interest you? (laughs) Then join us this week. We hope to see you soon, and we'd love to hear what God's doing in your life. There's more to discover from this series, Every Good Gift, so don't miss a single edition as Pastor James teaches through these gifts that God gives. We look forward to next time, and until then, be thinking about the gifts that God might be wanting to give you or use through you. Tune in next time for more right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you